Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Guys, today we have an absolutely sensational talk with Boston Physical Therapy and Wellness's Dr. Steph Allen. After a brief intro, Dr. Allen is going to get right into the research that she's looking into and some things that she has seen that correlate directly in with something that we've noticed at the university that I work at. Uh, a colleague of mine, Beecher Porter, and I have been you know, looking at, for the past 10 years or so, um, some things that were common among the women who had the unfortunate luck of having an ACL injury. And what we've noticed is that more often than not, they've been at specific portions of their menstrual cycle. Well, Dr. Steph Allen uh, starts bringing research up that really correlates with it. And she starts talking about how we can talk to our athletes about this, what other things can be contributing to this, you know, and, and how she is looking at it with her clients 
and, and her athletes that she's working with up in Boston as well. This is an absolutely fantastic talk. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Doc, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. How are you, Jay? Doing well, doing well yourself. Good. I'm uh, not fully caffeinated yet. Just worked out and got a couple things done. So maybe about midway, I'll hype up a little bit. Nah, no worries. I'm excited to get into this. So let's give everybody just the, the Spark Notes version of who Dr. Stephanie Allen is, where she's at, what she's doing, and, and we'll roll into it. Okay, awesome. Um, I graduated from DPT school uh, from Ithaca in upstate New York and uh, stayed in the region to do an ortho residency. And then I wasn't 100% sure that was the route that I wanted to go yet. And also travel PT was very lucrative. So I actually did travel PT for a couple of years. Um, I was in California, Colorado, New Mexico, and New York. And then I kind of, it got to the point where I really, ortho strength training and the integration of that into PT and kind of a little bit more of the forward thinking, um, I guess, team of kids in the, in the region um, was where I wanted to go. So being in one place was a lot easier to do that. And Boston has a crap ton of really good strength and conditioning professionals and PTs. I actually um, went to school with Zach, who I work with and is now my boyfriend. I swear that's not that's not why I came here. Um, <laughs> but we knew each other and we were friends for a long time. And so when I was looking for a permanent spot um, and Boston was a potential area, I came to look at the clinic and it just kind of was unreal. And I, I just kept emailing Dave. The, our boss for like, you know, every month or two for the last probably six months that I was doing PT and originally he wasn't hiring and then the timing was right. So that's what I ended up doing here and we're um, slowly but surely kind of building up a reputation in the area for being a great sports rehab place and and now a little bit more the integration of some pain science education and all that and uh, we're really just trying to kick some ass. Yeah, dude. Well, and you guys are, especially for, you know, Ithaca people. I mean, you know, talking to her, <laughs> you've got a red dragon on the other line here. So it's, uh, Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that, other than probably Ohio state, Michigan, I think anybody can get past those rivalries at some point, Yeah. especially yeah. since we've won like the last six quarter jugs. but anyway, we'll yeah, move we've, on. We've, I, I have to agree with you on that one. We've been kind of sucking, but it was after I graduated. So <laughs> fair enough. But listen, you've got one area that you're really diving a lot into, and, and Zach and I touched upon it a little bit in our discussion, and that's talking about the knee and the ACL. And uh, so let's, let's start diving into what you're looking at there and what you're seeing and, and what we could you know, look for more as coaches. Yeah, so um, ACL is definitely, a, for lack of better words, a rabbit hole I've gone down. Um, it started as a rabbit hole, but now I just kind of is one of my passions. And I think that the biggest thing that I guess pisses me off is that, uh, you know, not only are the incidence rates, uh, the actually, the actual injury rates not going down, but re-injury rates and particularly on the other side are like getting worse. So what, what are we doing? You know, like we can't blame everything on the surgery. 
um, and now kind of the two areas that seem to be super well supported by research are um, the what we call neuromuscular training. So, you know, we how I explain it to people normally is that brain muscle connection. As soon as you have an injury, that that connection and coordination in that area gets kind of messed up in the brain. Um, and so your control of that side kind of sucks. And then when you talk about injury mechanism with ACL, all the non-contact ones are, are all kind of, you know, quote unquote, controlling your shit on one leg, the deceleration with change of direction, pivoting, those types of things. So, um, definitely really good support. It's no, it's no real new news that that, that rehab, prehab and post-op rehab, um, need to really focus on that, that neuromuscular control stuff. Um, but more recently, and that's why I was excited when, when Zach told me about what you and guy, you two were talking about is the possible link between, um, hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle for females. Cause the other half that's, I forgot to mention, that's really well supported by research is that it's two to six times more likely in females. So there's gotta be something else going on there. Um, so then I kind of dove into before we talked a couple of articles that uh, had been meaning to read, but then our conversation sort of lit the fire under my butt. Um, and it's, it's super interesting. So I know that I wanted to also see maybe before I dive into that, what, what your experience with athletes, females has been recently. Yeah. Well, we have seen me and one of my coworkers, we've actually been talking about that for, it's got to be the better part of a decade. Yeah. Uh, because oddly enough, so at, first of all, we started out thinking that it's got to be something that's kind of genetically set up, like connected. Because we yeah. had twins who oddly enough eat one, I mean, just these poor women. I don't know if they ever <laughs> were really back to being ready to play, but right. they, between them, they had like five surgeries. All of the injuries occurred in the same two months of the year. Hmm. Right. Which just like something like to that tells me like there's something going on. And there wasn't a difference in sport. They were doing the same sport. No. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. Right. Both. Yeah. Are... I feel like there's, yeah, there's going to be some, uh, a shift I think in the research rightfully so that's going to show us some more things based, you know, not just female, not just landing mechanics like we talk about all the time because right. you can train the shit out of that, but. No, totally. I think that both of them were around midterm time, so they're stress-related, mm -hmm. and then we started talking about other things where we're like, okay, these people are doing them all at the same time, so stress, as we know, impacts that dramatically, mm -hmm. but is the reason that stress impacts it, like, is it these hormonal shifts or is it just the fatigue? So then we started talking with some of our female athletes about where they were on their cycle when it happened. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened the day that we were talking to Zach, um, we had a lacrosse player who two days before in a scrimmage planted pop, see you later. Right. And yeah. she's like, yep, it was two days later. And this other girl that did it, it was like her first day. And it's just like yeah. those sort of coincidences to me seem to be too much to be just a coincidence. Right. And I think that 
this the very small discouraging part in the little bit of research that I've read so far is that it is fairly inconsistent because obviously being accurate with you know looking at day one to day 28 of the cycle and everybody's hormonal changes are on a spectrum they're not necessarily all the same people have different amounts of hormones um, so that part was really hard as far as within the studies keeping it consistent um, but the one thing that did kind of remain constant was during that kind of mid called the ovulatory ovulatory phase but it's when of the hormones estradiol was at its peak and what they did then again it's you know you have to be able to extrapolate it which and there's no perfect study but outside of the body exposing an acl ligament to estradiol in you know a petri dish type thing um, resulted in less collagen synthesis and less what they call fibroblast proliferation so it's basically um those things are going to correlate to having less tensile strength, which, you know, less resistance to pull, um, which when you think about non-contact injuries, it's putting the leg in a position, you know, the bottom part of the leg to the top part of the leg shifting forward, you put it in pull, you bring it to its end range. So um, that's what kind of at least convinced me in the sense of there might be a, a little more of a risk in that mid, like the almost 10 to 14 day range. Um, but again, the the when was a little less inconsistent. It was just whenever that person has more estradiol in their cycle. So again, you can't you can't necessarily measure that with an athlete, but you can figure out what around what day they're at. Um, and again, like we talked about, I don't necessarily think you need to change training, but I think you might just need to keep a better eye and focus on, you know, how are they controlling stuff? How much fatigue do they have? Because mm-hmm. that's the other half of it. It's it's I think it probably is more of, okay, if you take all these hormonal changes and see what they equate to movement-wise, they're they're tired. They're not moving as well. They're not accepting load as well on one leg. They're not, you know, and there might be something that they can't even, they're not necessarily, um, so what I'm thinking, you know, they're not conscious of it. It might just be like a subconscious thing. Um, so I guess maybe as coaches, just keeping an, a, a better eye out in that, uh, department as far as like, oh, how's this, how's she looking today? You know, is she springy? Is she, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what kind of mood? That kind of thing. Um, so I guess the, the cellular level part is hard, even though it is interesting to look at and might make sense and correlate to stuff. Um, uh, because again, we, we can't control that. Right. And I think though, I mean, a lot of that too, when these teams are close, a lot of those things tend to sync up a bit when it comes to them. So that could, Eliminates not the word, but I don't know of another verb to use there. The, the yeah. problem of, oh, well, Sarah's this today, and Jamie's that tomorrow, and Jess is this Thursday. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I think also this would be like something like a box that would need to be checked. I don't think it would be something where it would be like a red flag, but this would be like, this would be an ingredient that you would need to add to the coffee to make sure that you know what's going on. Like yeah. coaches already know, should know that times of academic stress, we need to be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should know times where there's high stress levels, period, you know, family 
boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever problems we need to be careful, why would this not just be a box to check? And if there's multiple boxes that are checked, it's a day. Right. You know? I don't... Yeah, it's, almost, it's like the, to me, it would be almost like when kids come in and I know that from listening to like Mike Boyle, you know, they have everyone come in, do some breathing first and then check their heart rate and see what, you know, are they green, yellow, or red? Um, and then another thing might be even in the clinical sense, when we are, when we're doing an eval, we do, we have those boxes in our, uh, electronic note system. And, you know, there's a big list of things of, uh, family history or prior stuff like that. I, I don't, I don't see when your period is or, or stress level to be really any different than that. I think that that's more of a societal thing and you might still get probably some, you know, you might get the weird look or the whatever, but at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're asking those types of questions because you're a good coach, mm -hmm. not because, not because you're trying to be creepy, not because, you know, um, and I actually asked, uh, we have, I have two post-op ACLs right now that, one is a 26-year-old guy, you know, technically, biologically in your peak. Um, one is a 16, I think she's 16, 15 or 16-year-old uh, high school girl, already committed to Holy Cross for field hockey. Um, so they're both studs. He was a hockey player in college, I forget where, but they both had surgery on the same day. And I had started talking to you and Zach about this stuff, like literally the week before she came in. So I asked her, I just straight up asked her and she has had, she had one injury on the same knee that was just kind of like a, uh, a mild tweak. She called it, um, before, like a few weeks before tearing her ACL, but both times she was mid cycle. Yeah. It's like, it's just, so now I want to I want to start keeping tabs now. I'm like, okay, let me see if I can come up with my own little bit of long-term data because it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I know that that might not sound interesting to other people, but um, you know, is, is my my nerd alert went way up. I was like, this is, this could be a thing. Like, I wanna I wanna see if I can keep long-term data. Like, you know, I said, do you mind if I keep your info and follow up with you in like six months and a year? You know. Mm -hmm. Those types of things because re-injury rates are, I think, more of the problem than the original injury. And I would wonder how much that chemical imbalance plays even a greater role in tissue that's in the spot that it wasn't initially in. Right. So that was, thank you for reminding me, what I didn't realize until I was reading these studies was that the hormones actually one of the ways that they can affect laxity of the ligament itself is there's receptors on the ligament to these hormones. I, I, my mind was like, wait, what? You know what I mean? So not only has prior research shown that even if you use an autograft, which is, you know, hamstring ACL, some, or I'm sorry, or patella or something that's from your own body, uh, which ideally is more optimal than using a cadaver just because your brain then knows that it's a foreign thing in your body. So it's closer related to, um, you know, the native ACL. But that being said, even the ones that are still from your body are still 
not from the same, like it knows that it's not from the same area. Your body, your nervous system and brain, they, they pick up on that. So if you, if you pair that with the fact that there's now these, I feel like those sensors, you know, they call them the receptors for the hormones there. Maybe there's something off with how they, um, bind to or, or don't bind to now this new ACL. So when I, when I read that, I was like, man, I wonder what the implications of that are. No, a hundred percent. That's wild. So, I mean, it's basically just because you stayed in the same high school, you moved to a new neighborhood, things are going to be different. Right. Yeah, and those are the kinds of things, you know, I love that. When you're explaining things to people, especially younger kids, analogies are huge because you can't just say, hey, you know, you have receptors on your (laughs) – they're going to say, okay, whatever. But what does it mean for how we're training and why can't I run yet? (laughs) Well, this is why because, you know, you – take your car in to get serviced every once in a while. You know, little analogies like that for other things seem to really stick with people better. So um, I appreciate that. I might use that one, Jay. Oh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, but I think, too, the other thing that people are probably thinking right now is, and I'm glad you already touched upon it, is like kind of the uncomfortable conversation the first time you have this. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that my, my statement to that would probably be just flat out like, well, why don't you have that relationship with the kid already? Exactly. You know? I was going to say it should it should be at a point where uh, it, it's almost easy. And I know it's not always. And I know that people are probably like, well, you're a girl, so it's easy for you. You know, yes, I have probably a little bit of a an advantage in that case. Um, but I also think that if you don't make it a thing like ask it in, in, in conjunction with your other questions, like, Hey, what else, you know, I know you had this test going on or whatever. And, you know, or make it part of literally the onboarding process when you bring new athletes in, Mm -hmm. you know, make it part of that, whatever your intake is and just say, Hey, we ask everybody this and this is why, you know, they can choose not to tell you, but to me, if I were an athlete and I asked my patient who I asked, you know, first week she was here, I said, you know, the next day I was thinking about it, would it have, did you think that was weird at all? Because I, I have a good relationship with her, but I was like, just curious for future people, you know, did you feel like that was weird at all that I asked you that? And then I gave her a little background afterwards. Why? She's like, no, she's like, I thought that it, you know, you were being thorough, you know what I mean? So I'm sure, you know, you're always going to get the person once in a while that's a little weird about it or a parent that's weird about it but I think that if you make it less of a thing and you make it a standard thing then people tend to fall in line with that and they're just like oh okay yeah this is a thing (laughs) yeah and it could be a way too to kind of team up you know because that would be you know if a a coach feels like that might be kind of crossing a line it's obviously something that your sports medicine staff should be oh absolutely that would be ideal right yeah and I think that one of my um, end games, sort of a long-term goal, not just me, but I feel like everybody I work with too, um, just more so in the, for me in the ACL prevention stuff, you know, getting into schools. But the bigger picture is even just getting uh, better relationships with the PAs and the docs around here as far as, you know, whether it's pain science, whether it's ACL prevention, whether it's... Um, you know, any of those sort of things. I think that the more conversation we have 
with the doctors even better because I feel like we are starting to get a little bit better with having relationships with coaches. And I love, love, love when coaches either come in to um, shadow and ask questions and a lot have been reaching out to Zach about some of the pain science stuff because it's going to put you at such an advantage as a coach too. The same reason why I think that it's important for us to go and and shadow, you know, we have great places like Achieve and Amp Fitness and all these great places around here. Tony Gentlecore is, you know, our, our practice is friendly with him. Like SUNY Cortland so alum. He is. He is. I will give you that. And he and he definitely makes it known, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, I know. It's, it's almost every other thing he puts out on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what I mean. Like, it's not a one-way street. We, we spend time going out and, you know, we'll – get a lift in and nerd out at like champion you know, where, where Mike Reinhold and all those guys work. Um, and I, I think that that's really important and I think we're getting better at that. I think the next step other than perfecting that is really tough, like a better conversation with doctors. Cause you, you know, you know, some of the things that people come in saying or, or the impressions that they're under post-op or post-injury is just kind of like astounding to mm-hmm. me to be friendly about it. No doubt. Uh, so. so here's the question then that I, I think that we, we, we finish with here. If you're so. looking at it from the PT nerdy side and you have coaches that are listening to this right now and they're saying, you know, this is something that we, ro- we really should track. Yeah. How would you advise them to set up this tracking or how to look at it? Like, yeah. Or, like, how would you split phases or timelines in certain aspects so that they can quantify areas where they need to be more conscious of? Um, So I think that when when you have a group of or several girls that are, I guess, technically in that higher risk phase based on... um, Based on research, I, I would never say have them like do separate exercises. It's almost like you're you would be singling them out type thing. Um, I think as far as keeping track, it would be a hard transition. I think from doing what you're already doing to maybe just having it be part of the the intake. Um, but I think that that it's not unrealistic to set a precedent where you, you know you say are. You know, is it is it that week? Is it right before? Is it right after? And then, knowing that, I guess it would be more of a coordination with you know your your staff as a whole, just you know making sure that you're keeping an eye on how they're how they're looking, how they're feeling. Um, but I think that that's something that definitely needs to get a little bit more. I know that's not a great answer, like a little bit more practiced and fine tuned, because when you are talking about group training, like you know, with a group of athletes or a team, that's really hard. You know, I feel like it's almost like has to be part of their, their check-in or onboarding process. And then once you know, then it's kind of like, okay, I don't necessarily want you to do anything different, but maybe we won't do the um, crazy conditioning at the end. Or if we're, or if we're going to do uh, A cell, D cell and cutting drills, do those in the beginning today instead of at the end when things are fatigued, because mm-hmm. As far as from a tissue standpoint and neuromuscular control standpoint, when they are fatigued, that's when injury happens. So as far as how, how you guys, I think, can, can structure a, a day, a session, um, 
those would probably be the biggest things as a group you could change, you know, just changing the timing of conditioning and then some of the higher level balance cutting, acceleration, deceleration. Awesome. No, I'm 100% with you. I'm 100% with you. I think that I think step one, obviously, would be for the coaches to mitigate fatigue in the way that they can best, whether it be, you know, like you pull some volume or some intensity or whatever it may be, you you treat it like they're in a fatigued state and you need to make sure that they're able to perform at a higher level anyway for the competitive activity. So we should know what we're doing with that. But I think secondly, if it's, if it opens a line of communication with the rest of the staff, I think it's big time. And I, uh, Steph, I can't thank you enough. This is killer stuff. Where can people find more about Dr. Steph Allen? Where can they keep in touch with what you're doing? Um, I do. I'm, I'm actually doing a, a little bit of a pain science series right now on Instagram. Um, I do have Facebook too, but I think both with our company page, Boston PT wellness and, and my own that, um, I'm most active on Instagram. That's just, uh, Steph Allen dot DPT. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll link that up and get this up real quick stuff. This is killer stuff. Can't thank you enough awesome. for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we'll be in touch real soon. Deal. Thanks. And a huge thank you to Doc Steph Allen for spending the time with us today. Guys, this is something that we need to start talking about with the young women that we have the pleasure of working with. This is a conversation that we need to start having. And I cannot thank Doc Allen enough for spending the time with us being so open, honest, and candid, and and so excited about being involved and driving us forward when it comes to finding better ways to take care of these kids. Guys, let's start having these conversations. Let's start sharing the data that we come up with, and let's start finding better ways to take care of these kids. Steph, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us. This was fantastic. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. If you know someone that could help, uh, that this talk could help, DMs, tag them on Twitter, whatever it is. Again, we are just trying to get the best information possible out to all the fantastic coaches out there. And as always, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.